Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Psalm 50 today. So this might seem, again, like another detour here from talking about 1 Corinthians, but uh, it comes up in a really big way. So we're, we're making really good progress through 1 Corinthians. We'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 9 next time, but after that, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 10, where Paul, in that chapter, develops this, this idea of how all things are a part of God's good creation. All things can be used properly to glorify him. And he has this quotation, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so he's quoting Psalm 50. So this will be really good because, you know, this just happens all the time. Paul's just constantly uh, quoting the Old Testament. One of our guests recently said, you know, it didn't, didn't really ever hit him until he really started getting into this, that, you know, Paul is like an Old Testament professor. <laughs> yeah, and so let's look at the Old Testament in this chapter that he's drawing on as he develops this thought of Christian unity, uh, solving the problems of the divisions in Corinth, looking at Psalm 50 today. And joining us, we have our returning guest, Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin. Good morning, brother. Always looking forward to our conversations. How are you guys doing? I'm doing quite well, my friend, other than the fact that I'm having to do this on my back porch. Uh, I actually Oh, on tested, the back porch. Yeah, I tested positive last week, so uh, I am, uh, oh, on a, I'm on a quarantine, although God has been merciful to me up to this point, where uh, the symptoms that I've had have been extremely mild. Um, uh, oh, praise God. I, I had about, about two and a half days where I felt really lousy, and then... I have, uh, the last, since about Wednesday, last Wednesday, I have felt very good. It was really bizarre. I was actually in line to get my test, and I yeah. was just awful. My head was woozy, and, and then all of a sudden, as I'm in line, all, something came over me, and I, from that point on, I have been wow. clear-headed, and my, uh, you know, I... I've gone from a you know from from a, a, a cough about once an hour to clearing my throat about four times a day and uh, no muscle aches, no body aches. I've never had a fever, so it, it's uh, yeah. God's been merciful. Yeah, I mean, praise God for that. That's um, I, I mean, yeah, if you, if you if you get it, you know, it's uh, it's it's quite the mercy that it would be. Uh, just the mild symptoms take, which which seems to be the case for a lot of people. But, you know, it's, mm-hmm. of course, good that you're taking precautions and keeping yourself uh, isolated because, you know, somebody else could get it from you and it wouldn't be so Absolutely. mild for them, perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But, been, hey, so, if my, so my, sitting, my, my informal survey, at, you don't happen to have—go go ahead. <laughs> I've been sitting at home since last Monday, so, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, yeah. So, so like, uh, you know, just like, so one more, one more week to go, and and then you're free. <laughs> actually, they actually they have me. Uh, if if my symptoms continue to uh, to improve the way that they have been improving, yeah. uh, uh, they actually will release me. My last day of quarantine will be the twentieth. So. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very yeah, good. So later, oh. the, Lord willing, Lord willing, by Thursday of this, by Friday of this week, I'll be free to roam about the country again. <laughs> you are free to roam about the country. Very, very I got to have that very southwest good. ding in there. So. <laughs> Boom. 
<laughs> Very good. Well, I, I don't know how to... Well, I mean, hey, look at that. There's a segue. So free to roam about the country and free to roam about the whole of the earth, right? Because the, the Lord's is the fullness of the earth, right? That's Exactly. <laughs> it's Psalm 50. So, I mean, it, I do really like, though, seeing how... Uh, when, when these old, when, when these uh, writers of the New Testament draw on the Old Testament, they they make a little quote here and there. But when, mm-hmm. when you take a look at it, they really are really getting at like the whole thrust of the chapter and the context. Like they they aren't just kind of dropping a, a little cherry picked line here. But like if you look at the whole psalm, uh, the, all of this is informing the way that Paul is doing this theology. Well, you know, it, it is really amazing how you sit there, and, and, you know, we are so conditioned of thinking of the scriptures as the old, and for us as 21st century Christians, primarily the New Testament, because, well, that's where you meet Jesus. Well, it, right. what, a, what, a, what a horribly narrow view that is, because we act, one of the things you do is as you start digging into the Old Testament, you see that we have been meet God's people have been meeting Jesus since the fall into sin. Um, you know, yeah. just little, you know, and, and we are reminded again, uh, we're reminded again that, uh, you know, that when Paul says, and, you know, and when, when the early church confesses that, uh, that, that, that Jesus was crucified and on the third day rose again according to the Scriptures— He's not talking about the eyewitness account of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. That's He's right. talking about the witness of Moses and uh, of Moses and of Joshua and of David and of Isaiah and of Ezekiel and of Jeremiah and Malachi and Daniel and all these guys. He's talking yep. about their collective witness. You know, so you go to you know, so you pick up Luke twenty-four. You know, with the you know, with uh, Clopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus. And, you know, and, and, and when he says, and, and, and you know, he's, when he castigates them for having long faces, and, and, and he says, why do you doubt? And, and, and then, then he says, so then he, as they walk along, he takes, them, he takes them through the scriptures to show that Jesus is the Christ. He ain't taking right. them to Matthew 14. Okay, you know, he's, he's <laughs> which, hasn't, taking, which hasn't been written yet, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. He's taking them to, uh, he's taking them to the Old Testament, and, mm-hmm. and that's the the beautiful thing of it. You know, the the, the older I get, uh, and the longer I I do this pastor thing, you know, twenty four and a half years or whatever, and yeah. you know, I, I have a daily deeper appreciation for the Old Testament and. You know, and I look back on some of my preaching 10, 15 years ago, and, and um, you know, I always have this, always have this desire. I, I think that all, for, all brand-new pastors should, by law, be required to save all of their sermons for the first five years. And on, their <laughs> fifth, on the fifth anniversary of their ordination, they should go back and read their first sermon and then call the congregation they have, they have preached that to and apologize. <laughs> you know, and, and repent. Um, uh, but that's I, I all about. Feeling, but that's yeah. all about spiritual maturity. You know, it's all about yeah. spiritual maturity. You know, we we've you don't have it figured out when you're confirmed at fourteen. You don't have it figured out when you when you're ordained at twenty six. And, and that's yeah. and that's an important thing. You know, it's amazing. I God bless her. God rest her soul. Her name was Betty Schley, faithful saint of God 
uh, life had moved her around several times, and I finally ended up was able to commend her into the Lord's hands when I was pastor in Staunton. And, and but she never missed a Bible study. Never missed a Bible study. Had the same yeah. Bible. It was all marked up. And she said, "Well, Pastor so and so said this, and Pastor." So. And and finally, one day in Bible class, we were sitting there. It was a Thursday. We were back in the conference room at, at Zion in Staunton, and I made a point, And she slammed both hands down on her table. She says, "Pastor, I'm 84 years old, and you taught me something today that I've never I never knew." You know, and, and this is a woman awesome. who was in the scriptures all the time. Oh, so, man. so, so this is the kind of thing. This is why it's important that we are perpetual students of the scriptures. You should be listening to Thy strong word, even if matters on. You know, you should be listening. <laughs> you know, you should be you should be uh, you uh, should be fighting in line to get the chair to sit at your pastor's Bible class. You should be, yeah. uh, you should be, you know, every, every human being, uh, every, every human being listening to us should call CPH today and have their portals of prayer subscription sent directly to their house so they don't have to wait to pick it up at church on Sunday. You know, you need to be in this Word every day um, and, and because it is so deep and it is so rich. Yeah, and so deep. Just when, and just when you think you're somewhere near the bottom, you, you, there's something else. Yeah, no, that, that, that's right. Yeah, I, I mean, it reminds me of what, what Paul said that, you know, if anyone imagines that they know something he doesn't know <laughs> as he ought, exactly. it's, it's just in those moments, right? Well, without, um, well, I mean, absolutely. I really, I really appreciate the point and the, the you know, the story about, you know, Betty. Uh, yeah, just thank God for, for saints like that. Let's, uh, let's follow her example and just get into it here then. Would you open us up with a prayer as we get started? Amen. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, on this day when your mercies are new and totally undeserved, you once again give us the opportunity to open the Scriptures, to be fed on a feast of your Word, a feast that's been prepared not just today, but, but uh, and not just hundreds of years ago or thousands of years ago, but from eternity. Uh, a tremendous message of, of the relationship that you cultivate with us. Lord, we pray that you would be with us in this time of study, that your spirit would dwell with us, that we would have this uh, this word opened uh, to us by that spirit, and we might be deepened not only in our head knowledge and understanding of what these words say and mean, but how then we put them into practice in our life. Give us this wisdom for the sake of the one who is wisdom in the flesh, even Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate uh, that last part that that you led us to pray for that this isn't just about the the propositional knowledge, but that that knowledge that affects the life and the emotions and the attitudes, and, and that's certainly. Um, oh, and this and this psalm it, goes and, and this psalm goes right after that, right after the juggler, uh, uh, the juggler yeah. of, of that kind of um, um, uh, you know, propositional knowledge of faith. It, right. It, it, it goes right after this, and and that's an important thing. Yeah. No. And 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 sometimes I think we we really do the letters of Paul a big disservice, and we say like, oh, it's just kind of like all this theoretical, systematic. You know, it's all this kind of theologizing. But Paul is not really doing that either. And and the Psalms he draws on, I think, testify to it. So let's go ahead and and read Psalm fifty here. Uh, straight through. So, I mean, it's a, you know, kind of medium-sized psalm. There's there's a few different uh, 
breaks in it and we'll want to talk about the structure of it but let's just go ahead and hear it out first and uh we'll kind of give our impressions then before looking at it in detail so here's psalm 50 in the english standard version including the superscription in the original text a psalm of asaph the mighty one god the lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting out of zion the perfection of beauty God shines forth. Our God comes. He does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house or goats or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline. And you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you're pleased with him. And you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Yeah, like you were saying, going right for the jugular, I mean, it's... uh, I, I mean, that that really is this turn. Um, it feels like Psalm 1 in that regard, uh, kind of one of those like wisdom psalms where, where it's kind of, you know, the righteous and then and then the wicked. Of course, the righteous aren't aren't off the hook <laughs> either in this right. psalm, which is, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, and the wicked, when it's like, you know, what right do you have to recite my statutes for you hate discipline? I mean, that's just so, that's so convicting, right? And, and, you, and you, just, you, you can't help but just think to yourself, to what extent... Do I, you know, have the things of God on my lips, and I, I, and I say the Lord's prayer, and I, and I recite the Ten Commandments, but am I showing disdain for the actual lived-out daily discipline of the ways of God? And uh, it, it definitely gives you pause. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wondered if, uh, you know, if it would have been better right before you read this to play the old Law and Order. Dun, dun sound or or uh, or, or <laughs> yeah. the theme song from I'll really date myself and show you how I how how much I watch uh, me TV to play the old Perry Mason theme you know but uh, the the amazing thing is uh, 
this is this is you know the Lord is dragging us into the dock, and yeah. He is letting us have it. And we have no, you know, we don't have, uh, uh, you know, Perry Mason's not coming to defend us. You know, we are, and, and it lays us out. And, and yet the beautiful thing is it moves us to a position. It moves us to a position um, where, while we are not exonerated, we are liberated. And, and I think that, and, and the liberation comes in the idea of, being honest with who we are before him. And, and I think, and that's kind of the point, you know, that, that you were sliding into a little bit when you read these and when you read these words and you begin to ask the question, wow, am I the one going through the motions? And, and I, yeah. I, when, when I, when I have that, uh, when, when, when I run into those situations, oftentimes I will, uh, in fact, just yesterday, I was te- had to move a, a, a. We have a group of kids who are preparing for first communion, so we moved their class to a to a Zoom meeting. And and one of the things yesterday during during that, that class period we talked about was who is worthy to commune, who is worthy to come into yeah. God's presence, you know. And, and and you know, and there is something there is something nonsensical about this in a way uh, because. The one who is worthy is not the one who's got it all together. It's the one who knows he doesn't have it all together. And, yeah. and, and therefore, it makes it a participation in thanksgiving. It's not, look what I do. It look, look at what God is doing here. And I am thankful to God that he's, in, he's invited me to this feast. And I'm, and that I can, that I can be sumptuously on these, to use the term of yesterday's gospel lesson, these crumbs, which actually mean life and salvation. Uh, so it takes me back to my own confirmation days. And, uh, you know, I remember asking, uh, the sainted pastor Carl Aufdenberg over at Trinity in Edwardsville one day, he was, he was teaching that very same section. And I, and, and I just said, man. What's going on with this? You know, I should I really be taking communion? I, I I'm kind of worried about this worthiness thing, and that's when he looked at me and he says, Nathan, when you're worried about it, you're okay. It's when you no longer give a rip. He says that's when you are in the biggest spiritual danger. So if we're looking at this and saying, you know, am I going through the motions with my version of the burnt offering? It's when we're concerned about it that we are in a far more ideal position than if we just were just continue to go through the motion. Yeah, that that's well said. And I, I think I just recently heard, um, yeah, I, uh, another pastor say that as much that, you know, well, <laughs> to give, you know, a little bit of consolation, like, well, if you're, if you're, if you're concerned about it and you're seriously thinking about it and, and, and working on this idea, then, well, that, that's really good <laughs> compared yeah. to the alternative of, uh, of that. It, it is interesting how in this psalm, it, you know, on, on the one hand, it, it does seem to split, the, split this apart into two groups. You know, um, in, in verse 22, you know, where it says, you know, mark this then, you who forget God. The Hebrew is sort of like, you know, God forgetters or something like mm-hmm. this. You know, like, uh, I mean, like, it's like a category of people. Who have turned their backs on God, just forgotten about Him? They, they don't. They don't do the God thing anymore. Uh, I, I don't know, like non-practicing Christians, you know, something like that. Um, and, and then on the other side, you've got you know the you know the the righteous, right? Um, but the thing is, like in in both of these groups, there seems to be 
a rebuke, right? I mean, like in the first part, you know, hear all my people, I will testify against you. Um, and, and when it says, you know, not for your sacrifices, do I rebuke you? It's like, well, I'm rebuking you for something. <laughs> I'm rebuking you for something else. So, I mean, either way, there there seems to be a rebuke um, that there would be repentance either for, I mean, I'm both, I think, for the righteous and I think and for the unrighteous, because I mean, why would God even bother saying to to the, the forgetters, right, um, right. L- lest I tear you apart? To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. I mean, he wouldn't even bother saying that if God wasn't hoping that even they would repent. So the, the call to repentance is for both groups. Correct. Correct. That, you know, and this is where we get back to what does the Christian life, you know, how do you summarize the Christian life? The Christian life is a continual uh, uh, process of daily repentance. You know, we talk about, you know, you know, we, we couch it in, 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 we Lutherans tend to couch it in dogmatic terms, like remember your baptism, okay? Great admonition until you realize dead and alive, dead and alive, yeah. buried with Christ, Ooh, raised with Christ, yay! Uh, and and that, that, that's why we have this daily exercise, you know, that, that and I think this, this psalm really lays this out, that the people who quote-unquote, have it together, still have the reason to repent. The God-forgetters, the ones who are idolaters, um, these are the ones, they, they too have things to repent for. And it's not like, it's not like the quote-unquote righteous people are the, are, the, are, the, are, the, are the holy rollers and the, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, and, and the, uh, the, the God-forgetters are the, the people who hang out at the bars all, all weekend long. You know, we're all in the same boat when it stands before, you know, God's judgment stands against us. The question is, are we going to, the question is, are, do we receive this discipline with thanksgiving or do we rebel against it? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, it does, it does leave it open like that. You know, you, you just, you yeah. just have the word of rebuke, the word of warning, and it's just kind of like, okay, well, how are you going to respond then? And and of course, see, this is this is where it's like, okay, it's not totally random the way this stuff is is arranged. Because then you get Psalm fifty one, where yeah, absolutely, and and David's going to react right, like you know, he he has the the rebuke, and now you know this is what he says, um, and it's, it's have mercy on me, O God, um, mm-hmm. and you get like the, one of just the most beautiful penitential psalms, and I mean, I mean the whole of the Psalter, so. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. It's uh, there's. I think there's a little bit of design there, uh, oh. the way that works, and it's not meant to be like the, the last word, but it does evoke that response. Absolutely, you know. This is, you know, that again, you start to study the scriptures more in depth, and you cannot help but see this is not only a literary masterpiece. It is a literary tapestry that is woven together with very intentional knots and corners and and, uh, very intentional constructs. You know, this is one of the reasons why, and guys who are a lot smarter than me, uh, you know, these are the guys, you know, the the, the professorial types that sit down and, 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 you know, and the guys who pull apart, you know, I, I have a wonderful book on my shelf by Paul Robbie talking about psalm structures. 
you know, yeah. you see that these aren't just beautiful words, but, but the, the words are structured intentionally, the thoughts they convey are structured intentionally, the end message is structured intently, and the more you see the structure of it, the more you are amazed at God's vision and wisdom, uh, but it's all driven by his desire to call us to repentance. You know, and, and that's why, you know, even in the midst of all of this, the, 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 the verses that I have had underlined a long time ago in this psalm that jump out at me are 14 and 15. You know, he is, he is, he's taken after the, he's taken after the quote-unquote righteous ones, okay, and he's about to go after the wicked ones, and yet at the very heart of what he's saying is offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High God. Okay, but what does that mean? Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. It focuses yeah. that the core of this is directly about the mercy of God that is right in the middle of this yeah. courtroom scene. No, it's true. It's exactly the response that's exemplified in uh, David's response in Psalm 51. And I want to talk more about that structure because, you know, we talked about how it's kind of two camps, but there's these, these first six verses broken off by the, the CELA we got to talk about. But we're at time here, so everybody hang on. We're looking at not First Corinthians 10, a connected psalm, though, Psalm 50 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Oratio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. 
I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're taking a look at Psalm 50, a psalm quoted by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, coming up in just a couple days, seeing the connections here, uh, talking about these, these two groups. You have God's people and then the God-forgetters, but both are called repentance, um, and, and the idea of repentance, repentance to faith that calls on God right there in the middle here, we're looking at verse 15. We're joined today by our guest, Pastor Nathan Metter, pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Plymouth, Wisconsin, uh, being shown great mercy uh, by God here in the midst of all this uh, with, the, with the pandemic. Uh, it's, I'm, so, I'm so glad, uh, I was so glad to hear you say that you've got the mild symptoms. That's it's, uh, just what you're hoping for. Um, and and yeah, it's it's a really it's a neat psalm, and I think I want to make sure we spend some time at the end of the hour to to try to do a little bit of making the connections uh, more explicitly to First Corinthians ten. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it in a couple days, but maybe just to kind of do a little bit of a preview or something like that. So um, so we have a, a few things to be talking about, but if you do have any questions, everyone who is listening live, give us a call one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. You know, any of uh, you, uh, Betty, what was it, what, Betty Schley? Was, was Betty Schley. That's God right. Bless her. Anyone, anyone who's got a Bible marked up like Betty, uh, give us a call if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send your questions or comments to KFUO at KFUO.org or hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. also want to thank our underwriters, for supporting us, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys. Their website, lhfmissions.org. So uh, you, you were mentioning uh, that book on your shelf, uh, Psalm Structures from Paul Robbie. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let, let's talk about let's let's honor my my old professor and talk about. Yeah, the just remember, I here. said these guys are smarter than me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well, we will just kind of scratch the surface here. Um, so so looking here, um, we do notice that it is another Psalm of Asaph. There's a number in this section here. Do you how do you suppose that the fact that it's a Psalm of Asaph might affect how we read this Psalm? Well, I, I well I think one of the interesting things is we go back to the structure part. The this this is kind of an outlier in its positioning. Most of the most of the song the, most of the the psalms of Asaph are later. Uh, you know it, yeah. they're, they're they're grouped in a different book. So this is one of those where when they laid out the psalter, and they, this one was positioned intentional. Um, you know, so so it's one of those things where you sit there and you know if you imagine. Every time I, when I look at the structure of, of the Psalter, sometimes I, I ha, it helps me to, to do a little mental equivalence, and I'll pick up my, uh, I'll pick up my Lutheran service book, which sits right next to All God's People Sing on the shelf at the office that I'm not allowed to be in right now. It's right over my left shoulder. I know exactly yeah. where it's at. And those two books are laid out very uniquely. Um, the Lutheran service book, hymnal that we that, that many of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod congregations use, they have their hymns grouped by theme. You know, so mm-hmm. you know you so you can say or they're either by liturgical season or by theme. So if it's Lent, you've got Lenten hymns. If it's Easter, you've got Easter hymns. If it's if you're looking for justification, you've got justification hymns. If you've got you know so but 
all God's people sing is 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 simply structured differently. The hymn, there's all the songs in that little book are alphabetical, so there's no there's no underlying structure there. So right, so so right. they see that this is smacked together on purpose. So when we see this ASAP song psalm. Um, setting the stage for a life of repentance for both the righteous and the wicked, and 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 maybe and not not to really get too far afield of the structure, but this just kind of popped into my head. So dangerous thing here. What if, what if instead of either or in Psalm fifty, what if it's both and when it's talking to me? What if it's talking to me in the times when I am one of the righteous ones, I'm doing my sacrifices, I'm praying my prayers, I'm I'm doing all these things. Hmm. What happens if I am also a God-forgetter? What happens if I also, when I, and, and rather than, you know, we are so, you know, you know, as Westerners, we are, we, we are so, we, we, we are either or, and I think that's one of the reasons why Western society has so much trouble with Lutherans, because we have this wonderful habit of answering either or questions with yes, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then to think about how that flows into Psalm 51, who hmm. would be a greater example of someone who would be righteous and a God forgetter other than David? Think about that. You know, think, yeah. you know, who is, who is the who huh. is, who would embody the righteous one who forgets God? David, you know, and 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 then he becomes, you know, and this is where David is such a beautiful thing because we see David as a he is a he is clearly in the realm of typology. He is clearly a type of Christ. He is there is a me, there is a messianic uh, there is messianic overtones in his life, but who else? Would also be a type of us than David. Who would be better as a as a as a type of us, where we are having our moments of righteousness, where we are indeed men and women after God's own heart, and then in a nanosecond we turn our back and and we forget who He is. You know, uh, to 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 you know we we look in the mirror and and we walk away and we forget what we. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's 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 interesting and i'm going to, have to kind of ponder that i mean i i think that well i mean we'll, we'll want to talk about it a little bit because it's a very interesting form that it used when it uses that that form god forgetter it's not um uh, well i mean i, I won't but well, there's a particular feature on it that kind of makes it unusual here but sure. um but but i think that that that's really interesting and i mean i think the david connection is is got to be the thing that we see with this psalm of asaph thing right because right. um when when you look at asaph right uh yeah you're right i mean i wasn't thinking about that before but yeah it's true that the asaph psalms are kind of in this middle part of the psalter mm-hmm. But yeah, this is actually the only one that's book two. Properly right. speaking, the the other ones are in book three, beginning uh, right. with Psalm seventy three. So this is the only one that's actually in book two here, and yeah, it, it seems like it is deliberately positioned here. And so, when you think about who Asaph was, the uh, one one of uh, David's choir masters, um, mm-hmm. who who becomes like the the forefather of like the singers guild, you know, which will be important later on in Israel's history as, as uh, things go on. But it, it seems like, yeah, this is really being put here quite deliberately before David's penitential psalm, 
because of that intimate connection with David. And so that really is interesting to think about that. I, I don't know. Is this like, you know, Asaph like writes this Psalm cause he observes, you know, I mean, he serves like, you know, closely with, with David. I imagine that if he's a choir master, David was quite the musician and, and the, in the, the psalmist and composer in his own right. I mean, Asaph and, and David must've worked together, um, you know, artistically. And, and so to, to what extent, you know, does that then intimacy with David give him this window that says, wow, like I I've seen my King, my Lord, he is, he is totally distraught over this. He He's just talking about God's judgment all the time. Um, you know, he, he is, he is so consumed with, with remorse. Um, and, and it's like by observing that this is like the window that we're getting into Psalm 51. Well, and if you think about it too, I know when we, we talked last time we had, uh, we had the, um, uh, the, the Psalms 114 and 115, and we talked about yeah. the, the liturgical nature of them. You know, think of, you know, see the liturgical nature of these two, uh, these two Psalms going together. Um, if you think of them in, if you think of them in their liturgical structure, so he comes, um, and, and Psalm, uh, Psalm 50 is, is that, preparatory right, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John, uh, 1 John 1, 8, 9. But if you see, I think you can see that kind of feeding into this, because you have this accusation, this, this, this condemnation that leads into David's real heartfelt confession and absolution you know and and i, yeah. I think there there's there's some there, there's some real structure here and that i think is 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 really important for us to see well so so okay looking at the structure then the, the first six verses have been grouped together with yeah. this with this sila what you know whatever exactly the function was but clearly you know breaking them off and it seems like, so you've got later on, it's kind of clear enough that, that you've got the address that God has to his people from verses 7 to, to 15, um, and then you got that break in verse 16, but to the wicked, God says, um, which which seems to close out then. So so you got these, these two big sections, but you got this introduction here in the first six verses, and uh, the introduction is... It's interesting. It seems to be really just kind of focusing on, I don't know, the the greatness of God, the perfection of God, and on the one hand, both over all of creation, but both particularly uh, that and the God of Israel. When he says, "You know, gather to me, my faithful ones," so I mean, it, it's this idea of both, you know, God as as Yahweh, as Israel's God, but also the God who's just over all things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and, and look what he's doing, you know, and again, I think if you use the, 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 the metaphor, the imagery of the, of the, the courthouse, you know, me, you know, yeah. what these first six verses, you know, they, you know, all rise, it comes to judge and, right. and, and, and here are his credentials. Okay. Yeah. Here is credentials, you know, and, and, and his, 
the, the, the court attendants, you know, the bailiff, the, 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 you know, the, the bailiff, the, the court reporter, the, the, you know, all of these other people who work in the courtroom are, are creation. Okay. Talking about the beauty that God's shining forth, that he doesn't keep silent, you know, the heavens above and the earth, you know, they're, they're all there in testimony against his people. And he says, he says, they're all here to testify against you. Now I want you to pay attention to this. Come here, you guys. You know, defendant, please stand, because I'm about ready to, to drop it on you. You know, we'll, you yeah. know and, 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 and so you've got all this arrayed, you know, and again, you have all of this arrayed against God's people. They're testifying to his greatness and their problem. And yet, where does that section end? In thanksgiving and mercy you know that at, at verse 14 and 15. yeah it, it is a really interesting yeah the courtroom metaphor like you know the 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 herald who's you know you know saying yeah i'll, I'll rise right um you know it, it's interesting you know you have the, the initial part in in verse one and verse two which i mean seems to kind of be like the I mean, just like the way that a herald would, where you, you say, you know, you know, king of the this and the that and the, the land that goes from here to the there, right? Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of like speaking like all the, the titles and names that this king has. So that's kind of like verses one and two. Um, yeah. And then, right, verse three then seems to be kind of the, the all rise. What, yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, the ESV translates this as a, uh, you know, he he comes and this is what's around him. Um but uh, it's interesting. Like, if you look at look at well, I, okay. So I'm I'm actually I should clarify here. So I'm looking here at verse three in the Hebrew, which is <laughs> slightly different. But um, when when he says this, you know, like our our God our God comes, like you can take this as a as like a wish or like a you know like a I don't want to say command like that like in a in a modest way like the herald's like commanding god but but just kind of more like giving god's cue right like the, like this mm-hmm. is like the the part where god is has said he's going to come in so may, may god come in now at this time um i mean you look at like the form for come it's kind of a little there's no uh we're kind of missing a, a vowel letter that we might expect you look at the form on um on the keeping silent and the in the negative part that's like the command form may he not keep silent so uh, it, it, I think it kind of does feel that way that this is the guy who's like announcing it and it's like, may, may God please now come in. Right. Like, you know, may, may, may the, you know, may, may the real judge, you know, please stand up and, you know, take his yeah. seat at the, at the bench. Right. And, and so it's like, there's this, there's this witness who is declaring this and saying on the one level, he, he kind of wants God to come and do his judgment. Right. Well, and, you know, and, and again, there is, there is the, there is the point, you know, that it needs to be done because, again, think about this: who, who is the offended party? Who is the, right. the, the, the who is the innocent? Who is the innocent bystander in human sin? The answer is yeah. creation. Creation testifies against us because we're the ones who introduce the curse. You know, and and you go you go back and and, and and you just get blown away when you realize that uh, in in uh, in 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 the fall, in the fall, 
man is only cursed because he's part of creation. Now he bears the, yeah. you know, but, but think about this. So, so why, yeah, of course, this, then you want to talk about that Pauline theme. No, it's not first Corinthians, but what, it, what about Romans? You know, you know, what, the whole creation is groaning as in the pains of childbirth, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. You know, so if, if you see, if you have that kind of uh, idea that, hey, Lord, come in here and do what you got to do, because, mm-hmm. uh, because these guys, you know, these guys, your gathered people, your, even your faithful ones aren't, aren't getting it right, let alone the wicked let alone the wicked, yeah. even your faithful yeah. ones aren't getting it right. So you got to come right. in here. You got to come in here and fix this. Right. And, 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 oh, what does he do? He does. He gets down into the midst of this, uh, not only in Psalm 50, but in the womb, in, in the womb of Mary, on the cross, in the tomb, uh, in the empty tomb. You know, yeah. he does. He does exactly what he does exactly what this pious wish announcer that is creation yeah. asks him to do. Well, in creation, um, you know, we see this throughout Scripture is is uh, you know calling on God to to come and do something about the situation that man has subjected it to. Um, and on the other hand, too, it's really interesting in verse four. You know, he he calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Sounds like it's saying there on a certain level that heaven and earth are being called as witness, right? Which is something we've yeah. seen as a theme um, in Moses, right, in the Pentateuch, where, you know, like God says, you know, I, I call on heaven and earth as witnesses against you this day, you know, which is just really something that, you know, you know, David did this with uh, with Bathsheba, and it wasn't necessarily anybody, like, who knew exactly what was going on, right, behind closed mm-hmm. doors in David's heart, like what he was up to. You know, externally, it looked like David was within his rights because he was saying, yeah, I'm going to send this guy. He's, you know, my servant. I'm going to send him um, over here, deploy him this direction. And, you know, and you know, I'm the king. And so I have the right to, you know, which was a right that was commonly accorded the king at the time, even though it wasn't right by God's own precepts um, to take Bathsheba. And so, you know, externally, uh, there, there, there are no witnesses who can testify against David, but heaven and earth can right which is really something just to think about that the create order like really is affected by our sin there there ultimately are no sins where uh, no one suffers or sins only against yourself and no one else is going to pay that price like no it, it sins always affecting everything else just as i think you were you were you're getting at so uh just kind of briefly then looking at these these two sections we talked about how they're similar um how there's this call for repentance either way but just comparing uh, 7 through, uh, say, 15 here to then 16 to 23, what jumps out at you is some of like the distinctives? Because these, these do seem like they are, um, even though they are similar on a certain level, it seems like the way that they need to repent, these two groups, is a little bit different. Uh, the actual rebuke, anyway, is a little bit different for both groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you think about it, uh, you know, he is, I, I think— from my perspective, what I see, I see these faithful ones, God's judgment is this is probably going to be more jarring, um, uh, you know, in the sense of jolting them awake, you know, you know, 
you know, like jolting them awake um, in the sense of, um, you know, they, they were doing, they were doing all the right things. They were sat, you know, yeah. they were bringing, they were bringing in the little lammy and the little lammy was getting its throat split and the blood was being spattered all over exactly where it was supposed to. You know, the priest was wearing the right garments and using the right knife and praying the right prayers. And, and, and he just goes, wham, no, I don't need this. What I need yeah. is repentance. You know, because the bottom line is, you know, the wicked, you're right, the judgment, you know, I think if you look at it, the rebuke is harsher for the faithful. The rebuke for the wicked is exactly what you would expect it to be. It's exactly what, you know, know, I'm going to treat you like I treated everybody else. You know, you you know, know, and, and again, you know, by the time... You know, this is also setting the stage for what's going to happen post David, because you're going to have Solomon and his apostasy, and then, and then you're going to have the divided kingdom, and this is all going to start to play out. But uh, you know, but I, I think you know, if you look at it from from as my as I sit down and go through this, uh, again, the judgments on the faithful is more jarring. The judgment on the wicked is what you. It's exactly what you'd expect it to be. Dude, you're acting like yeah. you wicked ones. You're acting like you're lost. Guess what? Uh, um, I'm here to find you. But if you want to pretend, if you want to keep pretending you're lost, I'm going to tear you apart. Well, it, it is jarring, and I think it gets back to like what we were saying about the, the idea of God calling on heaven and earth as witnesses, where even if there are no human witnesses, right? Like that doesn't mean that that this wasn't seen. And it really is interesting, too, because I think we, we always we, we talk this way, like, hey, well, you know, God sees you, right? Like, um, yeah, it's, it's true. Like, God sees all things. But on a certain level, it's like, you know, creation itself, I mean, does mm-hmm. see it, right? I mean, like, the world the world itself is affected by the sin. And so it, it seems that here you go. We're talking about the externals again. And so lest anyone think that they can just do this sin and get away with it, and, you know, the next day they show up to church and— you know, they, they, they put something in the plate, and they're doing all the right things, right? And, like, no one's ever going to know. Well, yeah, but God knows something stinks here. Um, and, and that really is, that really is, as you were saying, jarring, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, I think, I think it's jarring for the sinful human heart that thinks it's getting away with it. <laughs> that, you know, hey, but I'm doing all the right things, right? Like, how, you know, what, what's going on? And, and it's just amazing how God just... He's just saying, you know, in verse 12, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, <laughs> uh, which is just yeah, like, I, I don't I need... wouldn't ask you. I'm, I'm not asking you for lunch money. <laughs> which, is, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing because it's like it's 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 not even just saying, of course, like, I don't need your help. Right. Which is like I can on one level what it says, but it's like even if I did need help, I wouldn't go to you for it. <laughs> like, right. Which is like just an even stronger way of making the point, like. Even if God did need help, he wouldn't ask us for help. I mean, like little us. I mean, so it really is a, is a. I mean, what a statement of, of humbling, right? I mean, I think that's like that's what God is up to in either way. That he's just he's just humbling, right? Like saying, hey, don't don't go thinking because you got you know magic words on your lips that you're you're a okay. Um, and then on the other end, you know, um, of course, like the wicked, like you well, you know, I'm you, you know what I have against you. Um, but just, you know, <laughs> look out. Um, right. you know, so, I mean, I think it fits David well, um, you know, mm-hmm. someone who thinks that they got away with it, right? Like, oh, yeah, right. I'll just, you know, I keep offering, you know, sacrifices in the temple and everything's okay. Um, 
just with a few minutes left here, how do you think this does speak then to the situation in First Corinthians 10? Um, you know, so it's, it's in two chapters, but we've been talking about this. There's this division um, going on in the Corinthian church. Um, you've got these different groups. You've got one that has knowledge, right? And they think like, oh, well, you know, these things are, are really just fine, and they're just the externals, right? So, so we have some of that, that theme, and then um, this, this verse gets quoted— um, and, and the thing is, like, I, I feel like it's it's so easy to miss, right? Because when when Paul right. quotes it, um, you know, where, where is it here? It's uh, uh it's in, and so it's in it's chapter ten, verse um, there is twenty six. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, it, it sounds maybe like you know it's like a very triumphant verse, but that, that it's a condemning verse. That's part of God's rebuke. So what do you think? Oh, I, well, and, and what, he, what, you, what you're thinking of, I mean, by the time you get to 1 Corinthians 10, he has, he has convicted some pretty—he's convicted some pretty um, damnable sins, you know, the yeah. wicked ones, you know. But what he's saying, I think, it, it, by, by bringing in Psalm 50, he's, he, he's, he's making sure that the whole Corinthian church is put on notice. It's not just— the guy who was sleeping with his mother-in-law and, 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 and all, you know, you have all of this, that it's all of this problem. And, and you all, even if you think you're righteous, you all have this wickedness that needs to be dealt with and he's going to deal with it in the right way. And, and it's, it's, a, it's both warning and comfort. You know, I, yeah. I, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot of that there. Yeah, and and I think too, it, it's I think it's interesting how it seems like maybe both groups are even talked about because we've seen in First Corinthians how there's two different sins that he's talking about. One is like you uh, go just straight into the idol temple, right? Um, and the other one is well, okay, you just buy it from the meat market, but it's got this shady history, right? So either way, whether it's kind of an overt God forgetter that's just idolatry, or it's in this subtle way, both groups need to get called to repentance here. Um, yep. And that they shouldn't think that they're, they're they're getting away with it just because they're following the right rules. So uh, thank you for making some connections with us. I'm so glad again to, to hear that, that you got the milder symptoms. May God uh, keep you on the up and up, brother. Thank you, my friend. Everybody, that was Pastor Nathan Matter at St. John Plymouth, Wisconsin. Going back into 1 Corinthians. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. My Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.